Welcome back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about equipping children to explore the topics of truth, God, and life from a biblical worldview. You know, children today are faced with so much information coming from so many different places, and the world perspective understands that reaching our children with worldly ideas in many cases guarantees that they will have teens and adults hooked with philosophies that don't necessarily line up with our Christian values and beliefs. Well, reaching children at a young age is key to helping kids discern and compare the current culture to what the Bible teaches, and then carrying biblical thinking into their teen and adult years. It's so important as parents to understand that the world is a changing, rapidly changing place and young minds are very impressionable. So being mindful of teaching our young children early about the Christian worldview and comparing the information they receive with the truth of Christianity is critical. Well, our guest today, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, founder and CEO of Foundation Worldview, is a wealth of practical tips and tools for parents and other Christian adults as they equip children to understand and believe the truth of God. But before we get started, a word from this week's sponsor. Hey, Mentor Mama here. At Coffee and Bible Time, we recommend you introduce Jesus to your kids as early as possible. That's why we're partnering with the Talking Jesus doll. The Talking Jesus doll is so cute and made of the softest, snuggliest material. And you guessed it, he talks. When you squeeze his hand, he speaks 10 phrases that Jesus said in the Bible, from the Lord's Prayer to John 3.16 and everything in between. It's so important to introduce children to the love and lessons of Jesus in their formative years. I love this product, and so does everyone else. The Talking Jesus doll is loved by families on four continents and has hundreds of five-star amazing reviews. Kids are learning Bible verses and even using the doll to minister to others. So if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, or nephews, this is the perfect birthday, Easter, or Christmas gift. Go to JesusDoll.com and use promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. That's JesusDoll.com, promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. 
Elizabeth Urbanowitz is a follower of Jesus who is passionate about equipping kids to understand the truth of the Christian worldview. Elizabeth holds a BS in elementary education from Gordon College, an MS in education from Northern Illinois University, and an MA in Christian apologetics from Biola University. Elizabeth spent the first decade of her professional career teaching elementary students at a Christian school. She now works full-time on developing comparative worldview and apologetics resources for children. Her goal is to prepare the next generation to be lifelong critical thinkers and most importantly, lifelong disciples of Jesus. Please welcome Elizabeth. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today. It's great to be with you again. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on again, Elizabeth. You are just an uh, amazingly passionate woman in, in so many beautiful ways. And I'm just so excited for our audience to be able to, to get to know you even more. Let's start out with Foundation Worldview. You are the founder. Tell us about what Foundation Worldview is and, and why you started it. Yes. Um, really, our goal at Foundation Worldview is we want to equip Christian adults, you know, specifically Christian parents and grandparents and ministry leaders and Christian educators with the tools that they need to help the children in their care carefully evaluate every idea they encounter and understand the truth of the Christian worldview. Because as you mentioned, you know, in your opening, our children are faced with so much in this culture. You know, we know from scripture that God is unchanging. You know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God for that. And his word is unchanging. You know, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. But what is changing is the culture around us. And so when we think about just the amount of information that our children are presented with, you know, really, and even if we're careful, you know, about what they're exposed to in one year of their life, they're going to be encounter, they're going to encounter more competing ideas than most humans throughout human history have encountered in their entire lifetime. Mm. And so, you know, we, you know, God isn't changing, you know, his word isn't changing, but what we need to change is how we help our children faithfully walk through culture. And that's really what we seek to do at a foundation world view, because we know that, you know, parents are really, really busy, you know, as our ministry leaders, as our teachers, you know, anybody working with children is just really busy. And so our goal is to just create resources and training materials that busy people can use while they're on the go to help equip children to carefully evaluate these ideas and understand that scripture actually is true. And I started this company because I was a teacher at a Christian school, not that far from, uh, you know, from where you are. And, um, I loved teaching and I loved working with my students, but I saw this problem that they, you know, they, they knew certain Christian things to say, and they knew a lot of Bible stories, but when it came to actually applying scripture to real life, everyday situations, to what they were encountering on YouTube, you know, and TikTok wasn't around then when I first noticed this, but you know, like mm -hmm. TikTok style videos and different things like that, there was some kind of disconnect. And so that's when I really set out on a journey to see, okay, what can I do to help meet this need and these children that God has placed in my care so that they understand that Christianity really is true. And so that's what, what we're seeking to do at Foundation Worldview. 
Oh, that is such a beautiful thing. And and as you mentioned, you know, parents and educators are so busy doing so many things. It's great that you've sort of made this a turnkey uh, resource avenue for them. Well, since you and I talked last, uh, things at Foundation Worldview have just kind of taken off. Tell us about what's going on there now. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yeah, so since I was with you last, we've started a, a bunch of new things. Um, we have we have a podcast now. We have a book club um, where we're seeking to give you know recommendations for books that people, that parents and ministry leaders and educators can read with kids, and then ask them good worldview based questions as they read those. And then we've come out with two new curricular resources. And I know that if if you're listening and you're not a teacher, when you hear the word curriculum, it can sound really intimidating. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. what we mean is a series of lessons that are designed to really change the way that a child thinks. So that's what I mean when I say curriculum. Basically, anybody who knows how to press print and play can use our curriculums. We try to make them super easy. And so we've released two new ones since I last talked with you. One was for 8 to 12-year-olds, and it's a studying the Bible curriculum. So seeking to equip 8 to 12-year-olds with the skills that they need to independently read, interpret, and apply scripture um, in a way that they're correctly understanding it. And then we've also released new materials for the four to seven-year-old range, which we've released a basic biblical worldview curriculum for that age where we're getting their bodies involved, you know, because little ones, they need their bodies involved. They need to be up and down and loud and quiet. And so we're just trying to teach them the basic truths of the biblical worldview in a way that's really easy for them as we're immersing them in scripture, you know, and immersing their bodies and their minds in the truth of who God is and what he's revealed in his word. Mm. And have you had the opportunity to sort of interact with uh, parents or schools that have actually used the curriculum and what's the response been? Yes. Well, we always test things out before we go live with them. So it was really fun to hear people on our team, you know, test these things out and hear the kind of conversations that they were having with their children that, you know, some of the people on my team said, you know, once they started having conversations with their children about truth and what truth is, you know, just in their everyday family conversations, their child would say, Hmm, but mommy, is that a truth or is that a feeling? (laughs) And so it was fun, you know, to really hear that 
that. And then um, we've also gotten, I love on over our social media feeds, we get people sending in lots of pictures of their children um, doing our lessons. And so that's been really fun um, just to even see um, different drawings and summary sentences that the older kids have done as they've learned, you know, the big story of the Bible and how to read scripture on their own. So that's been really exciting. And then one of my favorite stories is actually, um, you know, these materials have only been out, the studying the Bible one has been out as we're recording this, you know, for five months and the the early childhood worldview one for three months, you know, so I'm sure there'll be more stories as, as we go along. But one of my favorite stories um, was actually from someone on our team who had taken her son, you know, through the first unit in the early childhood worldview curriculum on truth. And now we don't, in that curriculum, you know, we're not covering like hot button issues that are going on culturally, but we're trying to lay a foundation so that children can can apply that in any situation in which they find themselves. And at her son's school, her son's teacher was absent one day. And the person who substituted was a biological man who was dressed as a female. And, you know, he came home and he told his mom what had happened. And, you know, she just kind of listened. She wanted to hear what he was saying. And he was able to apply what, what he learned in that lesson to understand what was wrong in that situation. And so rather than, you know, being angry or, you know, like just, um, you know, asking tons of questions, he said, mommy, isn't it so sad that Mr. So, you know, I think it was going by Mrs. So-and-so, you know, doesn't recognize the truth that God created him to be a boy and that that is such a good truth. Instead, he's going with his feelings. And so it was just so encouraging to hear that a little one you know, could take what, what he had learned about truth and apply it in a way that actually really reflects the heart of God. You know, because when we find these cultural situations where people are actually held captive by the lies of the enemy, you know, our response shouldn't be anger or hatred. Our response should be compassion and speaking the truth in love. And so that was just one of my favorite stories of just seeing how this basic concept of truth then translated into a very important real life situation. Mm -hmm. And I love his response. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned the studying the Bible curriculum. Tell us why you're so passionate about equipping children to open the Bible and study it for themselves. Yes. Well, I think um, my passion is probably very similar to yours, you know, and that you started this coffee and Bible time mm-hmm. ministry, you know, where you want people to delight in God's word, you know, because we know that God's word is how God has primarily revealed himself to us. Mm -hmm. And it's through God's word that, you know, the Holy spirit conforms us more into the image of the son. And so, you know, that's why you've started this ministry and that's, you know, really why I started foundation worldview as well. And so I had, um, I had this moment one time in my classroom where it was almost like, um, you know, the, the scenes in the movies where something happens and it zooms in on a character's face and the whole world kind of like pauses, <laughs> you know, around them. I had one of those moments when I was teaching, I was during a, a Bible class that I was teaching and I love teaching scripture. Like when I was teaching in a Christian school, Bible class was my favorite part of the whole day. I was like, I Mm -hmm. get to teach God's word to these kids. Like how amazing is this? And it was during a lesson where I had planned, you know, it was pretty like high energy and engaging. You know, I had my students up out of their seats and they were learning. And then while they were working on an activity, I gave them, I just had that moment where it seemed like the whole world paused 
And I had this question that I couldn't get out of my mind. And I thought over the summer, when I'm not here to plan Bible lessons for them every day, are any of these children actually going to pick up the Bible and read it on their own? And I knew without a shadow of a doubt, the answer to that question. And the answer to that question was no. And it wasn't because the students didn't love God or because they didn't, you know, like want to know God or read scripture, but I hadn't equipped them with any skills to soundly read, interpret, and apply scripture. I had done all of the work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I had planned all of the lessons. I had guided them through scripture every day. You know, I had planned follow-up activities and not that those things are bad. You know, I don't think that my work was in vain, but it would be akin to, you know, when we're raising children, if we just cooked every single meal for them all throughout their lives without ever teaching them how to cook on their own, you know, if that yes. happened, our children would be completely dependent on us or some fast food chain <laughs> yes. you know, for nourishment for the rest of their lives. And that's not what we want. So, you know, when Mm -hmm. they're little, we cook most of their meals for them. And then we gradually, you know, we teach them how to turn on the oven or how to light the stove. You know, we teach them how to like grease a pan. We teach them how to mixing, measure and mix ingredients, you know, and eventually by the time they're in high school, you know, they should be, while they might not be cooking full meals on their own every day, they should be prepared to do that so that they don't starve when they go to college, you know, and then beyond. And it's the same way with scripture, you know, me planning lessons every day for my students wasn't a bad thing except for the fact that I hadn't given them any skills to read scripture on their own. So that day was a real wake up call for me. And I actually came back to school the next day and I completely changed my game plan. You know, I still followed the course of my school's Bible curriculum and that I still, you know, followed whatever passages of scripture we should be following. But instead of me planning a ton of lessons and activities, what I did is I actually just opened up the Bible with my students and I started teaching them some basic skills in sound biblical interpretation. And we practice those skills while reading through the Bible. And then after a month of doing that, I would break them into small groups, you know, and have them do the same thing in small groups. And then we come together and talk about what they learned. And then, you know, after a few weeks of doing that, I'd have them go off independently and do this on their own. And then we'd come back and talk about what they learned. And it was so exciting. You know, not every single child was like wildly excited about this, you know, not every single one was like, well, this is the best thing ever, Mm -hmm. but they learned so much. And so many of them actually took the skills that they had learned that year and kept implementing them. Just a few months ago, my brother um, went to see a new doctor and when he, when the doctor came in the room, he said, are, are you related to Elizabeth Urbanowitz? And my brother said, yes, she's my sister. And the doctor said, oh my goodness, can you please tell Elizabeth that my son is, you know, like just entered into his senior year of high school. And he has read through the Bible in its entirety three times wow. since being in her third grade class oh. because of what she taught him. Oh. And that was just, yeah, it was just so exciting for me to see. And so that's one of the things that I want to help others do with kids, you know, not that we never lead family devotions or have, you know, like a Sunday school class or an official Bible study, but that we're actually equipping children with the skills that they need to pick up God's word on their own and read it for themselves, because that is where they are going to encounter God as Mm. he actually is. And as we know, you know, there is nothing in this life that is better or more important than that. 
Oh, yes. Oh, I absolutely love that. You know, I grew up going to a, a Lutheran school um, where I remember, you know, we would read the Bible. But back then it was the King James Version. And it was so, oh. I just remember it was just so hard to understand. Yes. What what tools and resources um, do, do the kids use to, to be able to do that successfully? Yeah, great question. Um, and we, so what we've done in the curriculum is we've broken it up. It's 30 lessons and we've broken it up into groups of 10 lessons each. And so in the first 10 lessons, what we talk about is understanding the big story, because mm -hmm. a lot of times what we do is we teach kids random Bible stories, which teaching them Bible stories can be a really good thing. But if they have no context for, you know, how is the call of Abraham, you know, different than the exodus from Egypt, which is different than the people being in exile, which is different from the life of Jesus, which is different from the early church, you know, so what we do for the first 10 lessons is we teach them to think of the Bible in big chunks of time. So we teach mm -hmm. them, you know, chunks of time, like, you know, creation, and fall, then the early history, then the patriarchs, then slavery and the exodus, you know, then the um, the wilderness wanderings and the conquest of the land, you know, so we just go through and teach them these big Bible time periods. We have illustrations to go along with them and we have them put these time periods in a timeline in order every single time. And we have them time themselves, <laughs> you know, so that they can actually put them in order. And then each time we dive into one or two of the time periods and we actually have the kids read different narratives in scripture and talk about, okay, how does this fit into the overarching story of the Bible? So that's the first 10 lessons. We just want them to understand the whole story so that anytime they pick up the Bible or anytime they hear a sermon or anytime they hear, you know, like a Bible verse quoted, they can think, okay, what period in Bible timeline history, history does this take place? Mm -hmm. Then after that, the second group of 10 lessons teach them basic you know, Bible study skills, which I know are things, you know, you talk about on coffee and Bible time, you know, mm -hmm. things like, like reading verses in context. So what we mm -hmm. do is we'll take, you know, a bunch of very like well-known or popular Bible verses and we'll say, okay, how is this? We'll give them a situation and say, how is this verse being used in this situation? What does it sound like the verse is saying? Then we'll actually have them go and read that whole chapter in which the verse is found and say, okay, what has God actually revealed through this verse? And it's like, Oh, actually, when we read this verse in context, it's saying something very different than what it sounded like it was saying in isolation. We teach them different things, um, you know, like looking at the difference between a descriptive passage and a prescriptive passage, you know, a passage that is describing something that happened that isn't necessarily giving us a command, you know, because there's many of those stories in scripture, like, well, we're not having little ones read through this, you know, like the story of like Lot and his daughters or Judah and Tamar or Samson and Delilah, you know, those aren't things for us to emulate. They're just furthering along God's story. And then there's prescriptive passages, which are actually commanding people to do something. And then we teach them to ask, okay, is this command prescriptive for us? Or was it just prescriptive for the people at that time? So just giving them basic skills. And then, you know, other things that I know that you've talked about on coffee and Bible time, you know, like using resources, like, you know, actually reading, you know, the summary in your Bible about, you know, wh who was this book written by? When was it written? You know, what are some of the main themes? So we teach them basic skills like that. And then the last 10 lessons are focused on genre. And so what are the genres in the Bible and how are 
were genres back then similar to or different than genres that we find in literature that's written today. So they understand, you know, when they open up the book of Isaiah, which is prophecy, that's going to be very, very different than opening up you know, first Samuel, which is a historical narrative, you know, or when they're reading through the biographies, you know, in the gospels, that's going to be different than reading, you know, the poetry in the Psalms. And so we just want to give them some basic skills so that they are equipped to open up God's word and read, interpret, and apply it soundly on their own. Mm, That is just so important. You know, Ashley will tell you that one of her like key pivotal moments of really wanting to get into the Bible more. And she just told this story. We were interviewed by the Billy Graham Association and mm. she talked about how she would go to to church. Um, and at the time my husband was a shepherd. So it was like a little small group. And she said she remembered kids that were her age, young, you know, grade school age, be knowing their Bibles and being Mm. able to talk about it. Mm. And she said that was such a pivotal moment for her that she was like, I want to be able to do that for myself. So it's really neat to see like how some children have been exposed to that um, type of teaching and just... Um, it kind of, you know, has a domino effect too on being when children are passionate and it helps others even want to know. Yes. More oh, about I love it. that story. And I love how she remembers how she has that distinct memory. That is that that is so neat. Yeah. So I imagine your curriculum will will be having a ripple effect too. Well, we've That's talked before about our culture in the past and how hard it is to raise kids in this culture. And and you touched briefly on um, the struggles of our culture and the idea of truth. And that's why your work in getting kids into the Bible is just so exciting. And your, your new early childhood worldview curriculum is all about teaching the four to eight-year-olds about what's true. Mm -hmm. So maybe can you just expand a little bit more on that? And what are some of the ways that we can help our children understand that truth is objective? Yes. Um, As I mentioned before, this curriculum, we try in everything we do at Foundation Worldview, we're trying to be developmentally appropriate. And now by that, I don't mean entertaining. I don't, you know, like we're not just, you know, trying to bow to our culture and say, oh, everything, you know, needs to be shiny and fast paced. Like, no, we try to do things at a pace that's going to engage kids, but it's going to keep their minds, um, you know, not being overstimulated, you know, not to get too, too excited in a way that they're going to misbehave. Um, But we try to get their bodies involved in a lot of what we're doing. And in that curriculum, um, the first thing we do, as you mentioned, is we just establish the foundation of truth. And then we build off of that, looking at who God is, how life began, what it means to be human, how we can tell right from wrong. And we start off with truth because this is a lie that is so prevalent in our culture, that truth is subjective, you know, that it changes from person to person. And I think I could be getting this wrong, but I think it was C.S. Lewis who said the most dangerous ideas in a society are not those that are argued, but those that are assumed. Because, you know, those that are assumed, we're not having an argument back and forth where people can actually look at both sides. It's just like everybody already believes this is true and no one 
questions it. And so a lot of times we as adults might not even realize that the children in our care have just bought into this lie that like, oh yeah, you know, like the Bible's true for Christians, but it's not true for everyone. Like if you don't believe in it, it's not true where that is just not the truth. You know, like that's not the way that truth works. Like the Bible makes some really big claims that either they're true or they're false. Like there's no third option. You know, the apostle Paul tells us in first Corinthians 15, you know, that, that all of Christianity hangs on the resurrection. He says, you know, if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins and your faith is futile. And then he says Mm -hmm. later, you know, like if Christ has not been raised from the dead, we of all people are most to be pitied. You know, he's not just like, well, we're having this nice moral life, you know, good for us. He's like, if this isn't true, like we are wasting our lives. I mean, think about Paul, like, you know, how many times he was beaten and imprisoned and mm-hmm. shipwrecked, you know, like he was not living his best life. Now he was like pouring everything out for the gospel because he actually believed it's true. And so that's what we want to help our children understand that it's not, oh, the Bible is true for us, or it's just a nice book, or, you know, we're just going to believe it, but it's no, we actually believe the Bible is true because we think that the things it says actually line up with the way the world really is. Now we're not going to say that to a four-year-old, you know, four-year-old's not really going to understand that, but we can start helping a four-year-old develop categories in his or her mind for things that are true and things that are not true. And so we just give the really simple definition in our curriculums that truth is what is real because kids can get that. Even a four-year-old can get that. They get the difference between, you know, real and not real or true and not true. Um, So we just give them that definition. We have them practice it. And then in the lessons, we say, okay, we're going to play a game now because everything's more fun for a four-year-old as a game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we say, we're going to, you know, we're going to give you some sentences. And if we tell you a true sentence, we want you to spread out your arms and say true as loud as you can. And if we say a sentence that's not real, that's not true. We want you to cross your arms and say, not true. And we give them simple sentences, you know, like puppies are baby dogs. Like that's true. Yes, it's true. Good job. And then silly ones like puppies run on the ceiling. Oh my goodness. That's so silly. That is not true. And we play that game with them. And then we add a third category in that I think is really important. We add the category in of feelings because what our culture has replaced truth, objective truth with is subjective emotions. Now, as I say this, please, anybody listening, please don't hear me saying that emotions are a bad thing. From scripture, we know that our emotions are important. We're created as God's image bearers and part of being his image bearers are having emotions. But on this side of Genesis three, on this side of the fall, our emotions do not always point us to truth. And that's the mistake that our culture makes. The mistake our culture makes is saying, whatever I feel on the inside, that is my best guide to reality. That is my best guide to truth. And we want to help little ones understand that this is not always true. Sometimes, yes, our feelings do point us to truth. Like if we're in a situation where someone is being treated unjustly and we feel angry, that anger is pointing us to the truth of the unjustness of that situation. Where there might be other times where someone's just annoying us and they're not doing anything wrong. It's just their personality is rubbing against ours in the wrong way. And we feel angry. And that feeling 
feeling is not pointing us to truth because it's making us think that, you know, like, oh, this person is an annoying person where really the truth is they're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're getting annoyed with one another. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what we do is we add that third category in of feelings. And we say, you know, just like, show me a face that you make when you're happy. Show me a face when you make your feelings sad. Show me a face you make when you're feeling surprised. And we talk about how our feelings inside are inside of us. And they're always going to change. You know, my feelings about a Monday morning are going to be different than your feelings about a Monday morning. You know, it's going to be different than a third person's feelings. So then we give them sentences that are either true, not true, or feeling. So we say, okay, if we give you a sentence that's a feeling, hug yourself and say feeling. So we'll, you know, do those dog sentences again, and then add a third one and say, you know, puppies are fun. And that's a feeling because some people feel like puppies really are fun. Other people feel like puppies are really scary. You know, other people feel like puppies are really annoying when the puppy's chewing on the furniture, you know? (laughs) Um, So we just try to create these categories so that then we can build on that and talk about, you know, we're going to have feelings that are sometimes going to point us to truth and sometimes are not. And we have to always ask ourselves that because think about, you know, how many times even in our own lives, our feelings towards God are constantly changing and God is constantly unchanging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He cannot change. That is the truth. And so we want to prepare our little ones to know, you know, whether we feel really excited about who God is and we feel like we love him or whether we feel like he's far away or whether we feel like we're upset with him because we don't understand why he's letting something happen. These feelings don't change the truth about who God is. Is. So if we can establish this at a really early age and develop those categories, our children, every time they hear something, they're going to continually be asking themselves, mm. what I heard, is that true? Is it not true? Or is it just somebody's feeling that they're sharing with me? And they're going to be so much better prepared to understand the truth of the Christian worldview when they have these categories developed from a very young age. That is an amazing tool to get them thinking along those lines of, like you said, sort of filtering in those categories. Well, as we kind of start to wrap things up here, Elizabeth, tell us what gives you hope um, that Christians are are headed in the right direction as far as um, working with our children on these worldview biblical worldviews. Yes. Well, what really gives me hope is the truth of the gospel and what is presented in scripture that we know that while the church is the bride of Christ, you know, is made up of sinful human beings, you know, and while we are going to sin against God and against one another, that God is faithfully in the business of reconciling sinners to himself, to one another and conforming them into the image of Christ. You know, I think about the first chapter of the book of Philippians, you know, where Paul says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, that we know that we can trust in the faithfulness of God, that this does not depend on us, <laughs> that, you know, that, that God, it's God's grace that has redeemed us and that we have the privilege, you know, the the incredible privilege, as it mentions in second Corinthians five of joining God, as he continues this mission of reconciling the world to himself, you know, that we are these ministers of reconciliation and we have this privilege, but we know that the fulfillment of this mission 
rests on the God of the universe, who is unchanging, who is all powerful, who is all, who knows all knowledge and Mm -hmm. who is faithful to everything he has ever said. And he has always fulfilled every one of his promises. And so that's where my hope lies. And I think it's a pretty great place to have hope lie because there is no disappointment in that hope. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Well, how can people find out more information about your foundation and your curriculums and, and you? Yes. If they go to foundationworldview.com, that's foundationworldview.com. That's our website. And on there, you can find all of our curriculums. You can also find our podcasts, our webinars, our blogs, our book clubs, all of um, the different resources that we have there. So many great resources. If you're listening to this, you must check it out. I think we all interact with kids in one way or another. So be sure and check that out. Well, before we go, we usually talk about some of uh, people's favorite Bible study tools, but we've already covered that in our last interview. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple new questions for you. Tell us, what is your favorite Bible study that you've ever done? Yes. Well, my favorite Bible study, and this might be because might be because it's just fresh on my mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's not an official Bible study book, but I love what I did to study scripture last year. Um, in that a lot of times I'll try to do a read through the Bible in a year plan, which I also love. But last year I thought, you know what? I want to take some time to actually dive into some books a little bit more deeply. And so I figured out that in the New Testament, there are 13 letters, 13 epistles that were written by Paul. And so what I did is I spent one month diving into each epistle and then um, Titus and Philemon are both short. So I did them in the same month. Mm -hmm. And so I loved getting to spend time just focusing on one of those letters each month. And what I did is for the first week, I would read through whatever letter I was focusing on um, in its entirety. So in one sitting each each day for the first week. And then after that, I would, um, I took a a Bible that I really like with study notes. And I would read through one chapter and then go through the study notes to get some more information on that. And then after that, Mm -hmm. the next week I'd go through one chapter and I kind of just outline it in my journal. And then after that, I'd finish off with reading the, the book in its entirety again, just to see the flow. And, um, I don't remember half of what I learned, but I do have good notes on it, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but it was so great to get more familiar with those books. So I absolutely loved that doing that last year. Oh, that is really, really cool. Which study Bible are you using in case anybody's wondering? Yes. So the study Bible that I used last year, I used the cultural backgrounds study Bible. I think it's, I think it's Sondervan that puts that out, but I thought that was really interesting because it just gave notes on, um, you know, certain things in the, in the verses that the original audience would have already understood because it was, you know, tied to what was going on in their culture that just, you know, would have completely gone off over my head because I live in a very different culture. So I found that to be a really helpful resource. Oh, that sounds really, really cool. I have an archaeological Bible that sounds, you know, somewhat covers some of the same types of things. That's really neat. Well, how about what's the latest book that you've read? Yes. So I'm actually tonight, I'm going to be finishing up two books. (laughs) Um, I, And one of them was more of a, you know, like a spiritual, um, 
book. It was called, uh, oh goodness, now I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, oh, it was called Wonderfully Made and it was a Protestant theology of the body. So basically looking mm. at all throughout scripture, what does it say about our bodies? Just because in this current cultural context, so much is saying that our bodies are bad from everything from saying, you know, like we can just change our bodies to match our inner feelings, you know, to saying, you know, our culture just is very sexually promiscuous, you know, saying, oh, it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. And so it was just so neat to dive into, okay, what does the Bible really have to say about mm. our bodies? So really enjoyed that. And then the other one was just a fun one. It was actually a kid's book um, called The Green Ember by S.D. Smith. And so it's just about these rabbits that um, are in the, going on this adventure. And I just find it really fun to read um, oh. a, a fiction book before bed in the evening. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, you're still a kid at heart. (laughs) Very much so. Okay. (laughs) Lastly, then, do you have any tips from your quiet time that you would like to share that might help people? Oh, yeah. Um, I always love hearing different people answer this question because I think, you know, it's always so helpful to hear what different people do. And one thing, this probably won't apply to everyone, but um, if you have a personality similar to mine, this hopefully this will help in that. I am very organized and like type A and I want to do things right. And I want, sometimes I'm a little bit too intense. Um, And so I love studying God's word and diving down really deep into it. But sometimes I would almost get really stressed about it. You know, like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this well? Is this what I should be doing? And um, one time my pastor, when I used to live back in the Chicagoland area, he said something that was really helpful. He said, you know, there's a time for like really intensely studying God's word in an academic way. And that is needed. And there's also times for, for just meeting God in his word. Mm. And and obviously, you know, like we still have to make sure that we are understanding it correctly, you know, not just pulling out like, Oh, I think this verse means this. And you know, it doesn't, but I think that really helps me in just in just saying, oh, this is like actually time with God. And yes, God, I want to learn your word and I want to learn it correctly. And I want to study it, but please just meet me here where I'm at. So a lot of times in my quiet time, I, um, you know, a lot of times I'll pray before I used to pray a lot after I read scripture. Sometimes I'll pray before and after, but I really enjoy praying before, you know, just asking, you know, like, God, please help me to just, you know, humbly understand what you have written here. And please help me to just delight in you and to Mm. enjoy you. You know, like, I think, I think, I think it's, um, in Psalm 19, you know, where David is talking all about the law of the Lord, you know, like, and how it's perfect and how it's a delight to the soul, you know, like, and how it comforts those read it and instructs them. And I, that's what I want my, the attitude of my heart to be. So that's something I've just found very helpful to understand, you know, this isn't about being the perfect quiet time. It's about me meeting with the yes. Lord and asking him for help in that. So that's something that just personally has been very helpful. Mm, that's great. Even you just talking about it sort of felt like a, a weight was lifting, you know, it kind of <laughs> gives you permission to yeah. to, to have that experience um, in, in a lighter way. Well, Elizabeth, it's been such a joy. We will include links to all of the different things that you talked about here. Thank you so much for just being willing to share your thoughts on preparing our next generation to be lifelong critical thinkers and followers of Jesus. So thank you for being here again. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today. And for our listeners, you can find more information about Elizabeth at foundationworldview.com. 
Lastly, head over to our Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life. We also would love to have you join our weekly devotional membership and our private Facebook community. Right now, we are just started uh, with Romans, so we would love to have you join us Check that out at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.